What's up, everybody? Culture Nuwana's Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're probably going to go around the Big Sky with Andrew Houghton sometime later on this week if I can catch up with him. We've both been busy doing a lot of different things, a lot of moving parts between Skyline and ESPN Radio. Uh, but if I can get with Andrew, we'll have a little bonus podcast a little later on in the week. This is our analysis-based podcast with our two main guys, Ty Gregorak and Brooks Nuwana. Appreciate both of them for shipping in, and we definitely appreciate you for listening. Also got to say thanks to all of our great sponsors, Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity, Blackfoot Communications, visit goblackfoot.com, as well as Town Pump. Town Pump, brawl of the wild by the mile, back for yet another year. They're getting us all over the Big Sky Conference. Ton of travel in the first month of the season, and we couldn't have done it without Town Pump. Also got to say thanks to Westside Private Gym. Been really working on the flexibility, the mobility, all the stuff you need when you get a little bit older. And uh, it's just a basic premise. Just want to increase head-to-toe mobility in the form of a squat. So that's what we've been working on over there at Westside Private Gym. We just got to know our first block. And I really appreciate all Kevin and his team's hard work. Want to learn more about any and all sorts of physical therapy-driven type personal training for functional strength, mobility, and all that good stuff. Visit westsideprivategym.com or follow them on Facebook or on Instagram, Westside Private Gym. Proud to present the Big Sky Breakdown. Get this thing started with Ty Gregorak. SkylineSportsMT.com, every day, every season. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. And we're into October. That first month flew by. Crazy. But uh, we're almost to the halfway point of the season. This week in the Big Sky, about half the teams got byes. I don't really know how this all worked out, but Montana State is off this week. Montana is on. They play uh, at UC Davis, and a couple other games on the slate that we'll get to a little ways down the road. But uh, Judgment Day is coming for a lot of these teams. We have seven, count them, seven teams in the top 25. In fact, seven in the top 22 in the Big Sky Conference. And many, many crossover matchups are on the horizon, including the one in Davis, California, on Saturday between Montana and Davis. So we'll get to that here in just a minute. But uh, Ty Gregor joined us here on the Big Sky Breakdown. We were just talking about indoor versus outdoor when it comes to football. And, uh, we, you know, I've, I've always been making fun of myself as a Vikings fan. Hey, you know, I wonder if the fact they play inside in this division that's supposed to be you know, this rough-and-tumble outdoor division. It's freezing at Lambeau Field. It's freezing at Soldier Field. But then here's the Vikings and the, the Lions playing inside, and maybe that's why they're always behind the eight ball. But, Ty, we were talking about uh, inside versus outside, and, you know, there, there's been some games in the Mon- in Montana that have been, like, legendary games because they were played outside in the cold and the snow. I was thinking about this. If, if North Dakota State played outside, think about some of these games that they would have hosted over the years in December. I mean, they used to play outside. You're talking about being on national TV. TV probably just on the news because you'd be playing a negative 10 and this would just be so foreign to so many people. Yeah. And, and, you know, but look, look at the semifinal game last year, you know, Bobcats versus the, versus the Jackrabbits. I mean, what was that? Oh yeah. Right. I, I don't know. You, you and I were talking uh, before the show. I just think that, you know, even as good, even as a raucous crowd and an amazing Atmosphere as a dome can produce. I think it's just different. I just think I think football is one of those sports that should be played in an outdoor venue. I think football should be played on grass. I mean, unless like like unless you're just way north and you know you've got snow and rain often in the fall, I get field turf. And then I also think that football should be played anytime between about noon and four. You know, so <laughs> I don't know. I just 
I mean, unless you're a primetime game that, you know, everyone's going to get to watch and bump that back a little later in the evening, I just feel like football is supposed to be played outdoors on something green and during the day. That's just my opinion, Coulter. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> Let's talk some Big Sky Conference football then. First of all, I'll start with the game that you were at on Saturday. Ty's doing the, the calls again this year for the MTN and Scripps uh, Sports Network. They uh, have all the Big Sky Conference games, and he's going to be on the call for all the Montana State games uh, all season long. This was a great game in Bozeman on Saturday, Ty. And I sort of predicted this leading up to it, and I, I know you were sort of on the same page. Bruce Barnum does a great job at Portland State. Not all Big Sky teams are created equal in terms of resources and and pedigree and tradition. I think Barnum does as good of a job as anybody in the league given what he's got. And now he's got some dudes. I think the Portland State, they're pretty young on the offensive and defensive lines, but they got some great skill guys. And Dante Sachere was running around crazy. The Craig kid, number 17, was all over the place too. Montana State couldn't really tackle him in the first half, but then the Bobcats locked it in and Went back to what they do best and just pounded the absolute hell out of Portland State in the second half with the run game. And uh, they take a 17-14 halftime lead and turn it into a 38-22 victory. And that was with a late touchdown by Portland State. So decisive, convincing, and impressive second half by Montana State and this uh, Bobcat team. They just keep on rolling. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think you and I were careful to call it a trap game last week just because I think you and I've got a lot of respect for Bruce Barnum and the job he's done. I mean, Bruce is always going to have athletes and they're going to be competitive. He just can't, you know, sadly get over the top, but you know what you just said too. I mean, they, you know, they, they get one and a half charters a year. I mean, I asked him one they're like one and a half. He said, yeah, we got to fly commercial for a half, you know, part of it. And we get to charter on the way home, you know, just, you know, I know he was kind of, ticked that they couldn't get a place in Bozeman because of the cost well I'm like well welcome <laughs> welcome to everyone's reality we might lose state championships over because nobody can stay in Bozeman anymore but you know I also joked with him I said you know Bobby House had some success uh, in the past uh, here in Bozeman and we never stayed in Bozeman back in the day you know so we always stayed in Livingston it was kind of the kind of became the thing but yeah I thought they scrapped well um, you know, in that first half, it was a, it was a really good game. Um, I, I, like you said, I thought Dante Sachere, he's, he's a good athlete. He, he is a good athlete, and they, they put together a, a team full of good athletes. Um, you, you know, I, I, the, I don't know where you should, if you were going to ask me about the targeting stuff, I, I think that the big sky has got to do some real soul-searching soul on – the way they're calling games. I mean, I, I turn on, you and I were texting Sunday. I turn on SEC games. I turn big time games on. There, there's jerseys that are tucked under the, you know, uh, under the pads, not tucked into the pants. You know, I just, I know these referees and I remember they walk around and they'll put, you know, give the head coach a, a list of everything and anything that is wrong with the uniform. You know, why is this guy spatted? Why does this guy have a have a wristband? That, that you know, two wristbands and not just one. Um, but you know, I, I I see some flat ball players with speed and size and and the bang bang plays uh, that that are never called in big time football. Uh, and then to see the two targeting calls that I was witness to in Danny Hughes and Ogden and then uh, Nolan Askelson's this 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 last week and 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 i just i've just got a real problem with it i i i if you feel like it's a helmet to helmet or leading with the crown 
hey, if, if you need to call a 15-yard personal foul, that's why they have 15-yard personal fouls in the game. But to eject a young man who's got his, – his time in college football is so fragile and so limited, and to eject a young man for, for, for that kind of contact – and I'm talking the, the last two weeks, and, I, and you saw, I know you saw both plays in terms of Danny Hughes ejected for the first half of last game, and then Nolan Askelson, a senior – both captains, by the way, ejected for all of the second half over that kind of contact and culture. There was so little contact that you're just sitting there going, wow. And they're, and they're sitting there in a DVS booth reviewing this. They're, anyway, I thought Sean Chambers, it's going to be very interesting to see what this coaching staff decides when Tommy Malad is healthy. So, so they, you mentioned it uh, in the opening um, about some of the teams having buys great time of year to have buys, honestly. I mean, it, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, uh, a handful of games into the season now. And, um, you know, I, I, I've always thought early to mid-October is a nice time to have a bye. Montana State hasn't been healthy all season, you know. So this, this really gives them a chance to get some guys back. And you saw some guys starting to slowly come back. You saw Ty McCullough, McCullough starting to make some plays and get some – I think he was probably on a limited snap count. But, you know, Sean Chambers just continues to add to his – I mean, he's got – what, what, what is the uh, – he's got 27 rushing touchdowns in 16 games as a Bobcat. Unbelievable. As, 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 as I don't call him QB2. I call him QB1A, you know. Um, but but uh, what I was going to say is it's going to be interesting because I, their offense is just different, you know. And I thought I thought this last year. Like, they, they just – I don't know. I mean, I, I think the world of Tommy Malott. I've made that very clear on these shows. I make it very clear on the broadcast. I think he's got that it factor uh, that wins ball games. He's a winner. But Sean Chambers just brings a different type of element to the offense, and 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 he is as an individual player, but but just collectively as an offense, they're just a different outfit when he's in the game, and just you know maybe more of what he can do in his skill set. Um, I loved. I I I think you and I talked. Maybe we talked about it last week, but you know just seeing our, our man from Sunburst, Montana, go off last week with 88 yards and two touchdowns. It was great to see the Alaskan assassin get his his two scores and frankly uh, and I think I, I think I said it on the on the broadcast they the uh, Portland State very much got away with one because uh Sean couldn't throw a good ball with a little bit of pressure but it, 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 uh, there was another play action boot where Derek probably walks in because they're in essentially zero coverage on the perimeter and there was no one but green grass and, and an end zone in front of him so he probably could have had three but but whatever and and, and you know, I'll stop here uh, with MSU, but defensively, collectively, I I think they're playing really good football this season. I, I really do. I mean, I'm sure you can nitpick different things, but you know, I just feel like as a whole, front to back, they're they're playing really sound defense, and and they've played against some very very good opponents. I mean, start, starting with the number one team in the country. And let's talk, we, we, after we finish MSU, maybe somewhere in this segment, can we talk about the rankings? Because I'm just, I'm a little puzzled certain things myself. But anyway, I just think, I think Willie Mack, uh, Garza, and Bobby Daly, and Howe, and Baptiste, and, and Shepard, and those guys have done a fantastic job putting together a very, very uh, stout uh, defense that is very complimentary to their physical uh, run, you know, ground and pound offense. Uh, the front four continues to really impress me for uh, Montana State. Brody Greenby's almost, he, he was almost unblockable. Uh, One of the best games of his career. 
he, he and, and and if he if he doesn't miss on a couple, you're, you're, it is his best game of his career. I mean, if not, it already is. But you know, he missed a wide open uh, tackle on one of the long runs that led to a score. And you know, but but I mean, they couldn't block him. I said it multiple times. I'm like, you got to leave a tight end or two in, or chip with your backs, or do something because they had no answers for number ten out of Mountstone. So, yeah, man, it was a very. I thought it was a great first half, back and forth exchange, and then Montana State just did what they've been doing for six, seven years now. And that's just trying to wear you down. And, and you could see it. I mean, Portland state, God bless them for fighting and, and, and trying, but I mean, they were getting up slower and slower and a lot. I mean, I, they, they, they were going to be uh, feeling it. They, and that's what Montana state does, man. They, they make the opponent feel them, you know, they, they, uh, they're, they're, they're disruptive and uh, aggressive and they just try to grind you down. And that's what they've been doing. And that's what they did on Saturday. So many things to, to address within that. I mean, first of all, with the targeting, can you – so the Cats got to buy this week. Nolan Askelson, as it stands right now, is suspended for the first half of next game. Can you challenge that, or can you, like, have the league review that? No, no, he he, he got that in the – wasn't that in the first half? Well, okay, so then the, the suspension lasts through the he, second he, half, and it, it was in the yeah, first half, yeah, you're right, but, and then it lasts the second half, so now he's good. He's back yeah, in the next game. He's, he's good, but, I mean, again, I don't care if it's Portland State or South Dakota State. I mean, what if that's Idaho or the brawl? Right. You take a senior. You take a senior captain out of that of the game for that. And, and so, to your point, I don't know. Like again, I know I know things have changed even in just the five seasons or for four, all the four seasons that I've been out. Five to eighteen was my last season, but we would always send in stuff to the to the league. Now, you, you know, here here sometimes they wouldn't even respond. And sometimes they'd be like, yeah, you're right. Okay, you know, okay, great. So, I mean, is there any discipline or punishment for bad calls ever? You know, because cause, cause it's, <laughs> you know, when, when, you're a, when you're a 40-year-old dude or however old you are and your, your livelihood depends on 18 to 22-year-olds, you're trying to put, you know, food on the plate uh, for your family. I don't know. I, I, I personally think that something like that, Again, he's already he missed his second half. He's paid his penance, but I just I just don't understand. I feel like the Big Sky is so, you know. I mean that that's the thing. In the, in the last two games that I that I've called, uh, in the two linebackers that are both captains, neither was called on the field. You know, this is this is thirty seconds after where right. somebody a hundred yards away and seven floors up is going mm, well we should look at that one for protect uh, you're going to stop the game it wasn't called on the field so the referees all half a dozen of them didn't think it was that egregious of a play and that, and i said it at halftime I, I, I don't know i don't know if it was aired or not but i just said i, I at, at some point college football has got to look at this and go okay is there is there you know where you're leading with the crown, you're trying to hurt someone, you're head hunting, you know, or like, like the way football was at, you know, played 25, 30 years ago. I'm not saying that's right. The game itself has been made safer for all the right reasons, but there almost should be two types of targeting, you know, or, or, or maybe go to an NFL type. NFL doesn't call targeting. If it's a personal foul, if it's, I mean, if it's a, if it's a, you know, but I just, I just don't, I don't buy it mostly because at mo at, at minimum, you get 12 opportunities a year to play football. That's it. And then hopefully if you're on a good team, you get more. So it just, I just, it, it drives me crazy because mostly because I, I saw those two hits. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, 
if you want to try lettering letter of the law in this, okay. You know, Danny Hughes, I mean, that was kind of bang, bang at the end of the play. You're already in, in motion, but Nolan's was, that was just bad. Mostly just bad. At, at most, at most, his face mask maybe grazed the kid as he's, you know, sliding late. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you tell kids? Don't, you know, don't play hard. Don't play to the whistle. Anyway. That's my that's my thoughts on it. <laughs> well, I love it. I'm on the same page as you as you are for sure, no doubt. A couple other things to circle back on. Um, the the Sean Chambers Tommy Malott uh, deal is is certainly interesting because Tommy Malott's the quarterback. He's such a great leader. He's such a great winner. And your offense is objectively so hard to stop because he's such a great threat in the RPO game. He does it so well. Chambers, yeah. they're not running as much RPO stuff with him. They're like pressing the edge, getting him out. It's way more pro style. It's very San Francisco 49ers-esque, dare I say. And the under center stuff. And, and when they roll with Chambers and they press the edge like that, you want to know what happens? They get their tight ends involved. And those guys are two of the most dangerous yeah. players in the league. And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that their offense is really hard to stop with either guy at the helm. But dare I say that it's a little bit harder to stop when Chambers is at the helm just because of the prioritization on Pickering and Snell? Yeah. I, 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 I Like, to me – it almost looks like two different offenses. That's the for thing. sure. I mean, Tommy's never under center for, 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 you know, for probably good reason. I mean, Tommy's not a tall guy and he's not, you know, he's, I, I don't want to say he's not a big guy because he's really well put together. I mean, he, he is strong and stout and physical and he plays the game the way the game should be played in my mind. He plays like a gunslinger without, you know, really being able to call Tommy a lot of gunslinger. Um, but you know the, the the play action, the boot, the you know the the heavy heavy inside zone, outside zone, little bit of power counter read zone. It's just so, and and then and then the play action, uh, and even just straight dropback stuff with with Sean. You know you don't see Tommy get a lot of that. You know he's not a you know five seven step drop guy. His best stuff's when he's moving. You know slash slash back back shoulder. Um, I just yeah, it's gonna be a really fascinating deal when when if and when Tommy comes back at full strength and you know I hope he, we all, everyone hopes that he does. I just think Sean is, and I thought Sean kind of proved this last year. Like he got he got handed the okay it's yours it's yours now. What did he do? The same thing. <laughs> he went out and balled and became. I think he was the big sky player of the week the following week after Tommy went down, if I'm not mistaken. And um. But yeah, and then yeah, you just mentioned the tight ends. I mean, the way it was kind of funny, like to me, watching, and, and they were just so far superior to um, the non-conference uh, opponents, minus, minus South Dakota State, obviously. But you know, it's like you've got a couple of the best athletes slash players slash just dynamic, versatile weapons that you can use in in number eight, number eighty, your tight ends, and bring in Ryan Lonergan and. I mean, they're just so versatile and can do so much in those packages. That, I mean, as a defensive guy, you know, I, I'm, I love it because I think it's it, there's just so much. There's so much. You're creating gaps with your gap scheme, and you got big people doing it, not receivers. And yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm I'm ram, I'm, I'm hot today, Coulter. I mean, I I, you, you, I didn't even know if we were going to do this today, Coulter, because I get a week off. I don't. Have <laughs> I get to just watch football on the couch and stuff, but. Yeah, man. I mean, the the offense. It's just like it's like when they when they go big. When I when I say big, twenty one personnel, twenty you know twelve, thirteen. 
you kind of just see how creative Taylor Housewright can be. And I know he's mentioned, uh, or at least his players have mentioned, his love affair of the Niners. Well, look what the Niners are doing, dude. That's right. I mean, are you kidding me? With 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 uh, now, we don't have uh, the the Bobcats don't have a Christian McCaffrey, but they got a stable of dudes. I mean, it's just like, oh, this guy, you know, this guy just, you know, got a hangnail. Let's put let's put this other guy in. I mean, they're all dudes. It's like North Dakota State, you know, five years by the last year when they had like three or four just like all American players that were unbelievable. Um, but, you know, yeah, man, I, I just think it's the offense with Sean slash, you know, some of their packages. Like, like I don't know if you've watched the full game. I have. Alter, but, like, they started going 11 for a series, and they're just – it's just not the same. It's not the same. And I, I'm always complimentary of the receivers in terms of, you know, their, their perimeter blocking and stuff. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. If you're going to play in this offense, as a wide receiver, you're probably not going to be a first-team all-league dude, you know? I mean, Lance McCutcheon had a great senior year, and they threw a lot of, you know, back shoulder and fades and scenes and posts, and he had a big year, no question. But, you know, as a whole, receiver-wise, you're going to, you're going to let the offense go by their perimeter blocking. And Coach Eaton, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a way of life. They do a great job. They, they all block their tails off on the perimeter. I'm gonna stop talking now, Colter. What, what did I answer your question at all? <laughs> of course you did. I love God. it. Is true when they have both tight ends on the field, it just makes them so much more versatile. They got willing blockers at wide receiver for sure. But that's the thing that makes Montana State. I mean, as I said on my ESPN show yesterday, the way they run the ball has broken my brain in terms of evaluating run games because it used to be if you're rushing for more than 250, you're a juggernaut. 300. That's epic. 350, that's record setting. 400, never seen it before. 450, you probably set the school record. I mean, these guys go for 400 once a month. They're getting 350 like it's their job. I mean, Saturday, they only, quote unquote, got 325. That's because they only ran the ball 30 times. I mean, it used to be, you'd think, okay, you're getting more than five yards of carry. Unreal. Six yards of carry. Wow. At seven yards of carry, uh, impossible. Nobody can do that. They're getting seven yards of carry for like multiple years in a row now. But part of that's because of this two tight end deal. When you pin, Snell is the key to it all because you can flex him out, yes. you can put him yes. in the slot. And when they pull multiple guys, they leave multiple guys unblocked. And then all of a sudden you run to a spot. And then when you get to that spot, you got Pickering sealing it and Snell kicking it out. It's just parting of the Red Sea and you can just run to space. And I just think that their scheme is just so brilliant. And you're right, when both guys are on the field, uh, it's really, really, really hard to stop. Well, we love new friends here at the Big Sky Breakdown. And we have a new presenting sponsor, Spearheading, our new expansion, Vandals Weekly, but also... As a part of the Big Sky Breakdown as a whole, Old Works Golf Course in Anaconda. It's an iconic place, a Jack Nicholas course. If you've never been there, you've never seen it, you got to look up pictures and you got to go check it out. The sand traps, which are prevalent and very challenging, they are all over the place and they're filled with black sand. It is an unbelievable visual spectacle to see. And that plus the elements and the way that it's carved into the mountainside there, it makes it an incredibly challenging course. For all you Bobcat and Grizzly people, if you're in Missoula, in Bozeman, in western Montana, in southwestern Montana, it's a perfect center point right in the middle of everything. And the Old Works Golf Course PGA Improvement Center featuring PGA professional Andrew Alamey is now open all winter long. Expert swing and mental coaching for you all off-season. They also have cl- custom club fitting, multiple state-of-the-art trackman simulators. If you're ready to get into golf or take your game to the next level, call Old Works to schedule your winter session, 406 506- 5 
406-563-5989. That's 406-563-5989. Ty Greg Rack here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Let's talk uh, rankings because there is seven teams in the top 25, but it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's fascinating the way it's all seemed to go. It seems like a lot of the voters are just slot ranking, right? If you were at 13 and you won, you stay at 13. If you were at 18 and you won, you move up to a spot to 17 rather than evaluating like the total performances here. I don't disagree that there should be seven Big Sky teams in the top 25, but I also think that it was silly that Weber State completely struggled with Northern Colorado and they stayed in the same spot. Montana completely struggled with Idaho State and they moved up a spot. It just seems like this whole thing is a little bit uh, cattywampus right now. It, it, it does, and, and okay, I, I I don't get to watch every game, but I I do stay I, I do keep very close attention to the two teams in the Treasure State, and in from what I've seen, you're going to tell me that the 13th and 14th best teams in the country, from what from what you've seen, are, are Montana and Weber State. Weber State two weeks ago, Montana they had no answers for Montana except for the first quarter. Okay, great. The first quarter, they, they held them to nothing. Okay, great. For the next three quarters, it was a rout. And then they're down last week by three touchdowns to Northern Colorado and had to come back and win, and, and, and it took an interception to seal the deal. And you're telling me that's the 14th best team in the country at 3-2? and two? Montana, who, I mean, and again, you, you know I've got a ton of respect for Coach Houck and 12 years of my life over there, loved every second of it. But from what you've seen, the last three, four games, you're telling me that they're, that's a top 15 team. I, str- I struggle with the rankings because I just think, I don't know. I, 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 I just, you can't, you, you can't, you can't rank. And I, and I, and I feel so strongly about this because this is playoffs, man. We, we, we've, we've been in a playoff system forever. You know, the, 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 the big boys are just trying to figure it all out. And eventually it's going to go to 12 and it might expand after that. But you know, these rankings mean a lot you know, uh, in, in throughout the course of the season. And I just, I, str- I struggle when I, when I look at that every Sunday or Monday morning, you know, and just go, huh, okay, well, I don't agree, but whatever. So that's, that's my, that's, that's my stance, dude. I, I, I don't know. But yes, big ones. I mean, Idaho, Idaho is just, to me, they're, they're, you know, they're, 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 there's, there's, what do we say? There's six teams in the top 20, top 25? Seven in the top 22. I, I, I think you can cut that number in half, maybe more, and, and talk about the teams that are, that are – I, I think Montana, State, Idaho, and Sac State are the, are the cream of the crop. And I, don't think, I don't think anyone would, could argue that. I mean, that, those, those teams are very, very good football teams. And so you've got you know, a couple teams, like we were saying, you get, get a freshen up with a bye, and then they gotta, then they got to go on a month-and-a-half stretch. But Idaho's at Cal Poly. Cal Poly's struggling. They, 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 they can't stop anybody i mean defensively and offensively it's not i mean they're, they're still transitioning from being a triple option team and trying to run traditional offense you know montana at uc davis that's a big big game that's a big game. uh and not an easy place to always go play. I, in fact, I think they've got a great little bit. Are you going down to that game, Coulter? I am not i have a wedding on saturday so it'll be the first saturday of the year i'm not actually at a game yeah okay who, who gets married in the fall? I know, That's bold exactly. move, right? A Missoulian, too. So they're really stretching it and see who's really their friends. That, 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 that's a big one. And, and, and uh, you know, you got Weber State at NEU. I, I would not be if, – if Weber State continues <laughs> the, the trajectory that they've kind of been on the last few weeks, 
I wouldn't be shocked to see. I mean, if NAU can you know stay healthy and just keep playing hard like that, they're going to get an, another win. I mean, they for sure, a couple, couple weeks ago against the Grizz. So, um, I, I, I just I would not be shocked to see the final score on Sunday and and see NAU come out of there with a win. So, and and then you know obviously Davis uh, at number eighteen there hosts Montana. Big big old red letter game right there for Coach Hawk, and then. You know, Eastern, I think Eastern, you know, they're getting better, man. I mean, they're, that game was a lot closer, right? I mean, I, For sure, and that was without their closer. stud quarterback, too. Yes, that game was a lot closer to, than the score, I think, indicated. I know they pulled away at the end, but Eastern's getting better, which, you know, which is good. I, I just think, you know, I made the comment last week, and you and I both agree, Idaho's better with Idaho back in. Idaho, or, or, or the big sky's better with Idaho, and, and, and especially a good Idaho. But but Eastern Washington has established themselves as a team that you know when, when they're down that kind of sucks for the Big Sky because they, they you know since 2010 you know the late 2000s obviously 2010 in their national championship you know they, they've been they've been a nationally prominent team and so I, I I'm always rooting for Coach Best and you know obviously I'm from that area I just I, I'm glad to see they're they're getting better because I, I just didn't think they were all that good last year even though it took Montana State who made a semi run good chunk of the game to, to finish them off. But anyway, that's, that's my thoughts on the league. It, it should be, it's going to be a, a, a great, I mean, I don't, I don't think it, we, we've not said this every week, just a very competitive league this year, man. I mean, I, who knows how this thing could, could finish up. I, again, I think there's three teams right now that are all very, very capable of winning the, 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 the conference and, and making championship runs in the postseason. And then the other three slash three and a half, We'll see. I mean, you, you never know, man. You got to coach well, play well, stay healthy, and the stars got to align. So, never know. Well, the the narrative coming into the year was that the league had you know six or seven teams that were true playoff contenders, and I think that that's true. But I think that we do see a line between those seven, exactly like you're talking about, where I, I actually think that the the league has four tiers in it right now. I think the top tier is Montana State and Idaho all alone. Then I think Sac State is in a tier all by itself. I think they're better. Then Weber, Montana, UC Davis, and Eastern, but I don't think they're quite as good as Idaho and Montana State. Now they have they can prove me they can prove me wrong for sure, but I think the fact that you know Sac lost at Idaho, which okay, it's number four team in the country, so it's not a bad loss. But then they struggled with NAU last last week, and I think that NAU's playing with a lot of renewed confidence since they went with the freshman kid at quarterback. And I think NAU though is at the top of that that fourth tier. And then and Portland State, NAU, Portland State, and then I think it's everybody else: Idaho State, Cal Poly, um, Northern Colorado, et cetera, et cetera. The one team, though, I wonder—I mean, I, I, Weber has not looked good to me like at all during conference play, and so if they lost to Northern Arizona at home, maybe they're a team that that falls out, and and then maybe an Eastern Washington or you know even an NAU could replace them in that potentially bubble play, or even Portland State at a bubble playoff team. So. Okay. Um, we shall see. Last thing for you then, though, Ty, I think that Montana, they have not they've not made it easy in any of their games so far this year, yet they've only lost one of them, and they've won four of them. So they, they do have the, you know, the playoffs within their sights uh, if things go according to plan. But with what's coming up, they play at Davis, and then they play at Idaho, then they have a bye, and then they got Northern Colorado at home. Uh, and then they still have that night game against Sac State. They got to go to Portland State, and then they got the Cats coming to town. You're going to have to – okay, let's say you're going to win Northern Colorado because there's your fifth win, but you have a D2 win, so you need to win seven D1 games. 
That means you need to get to eight and three. So that means the Grizz have to figure out a way to go four and two over their last six. So that means they're going to have to win at least two out of the UC Davis game, Sac State game, Idaho game, Portland State, and Montana State. They're going to have to win three out of those five or two out of the four against the ranked teams, meaning that they pretty much have to win this weekend at UC Davis. Do you agree? I mean, do you think this is a must win for the Grizz down in Davis? Uh, Without evaluating the future schedule the way you have it and and know it and have it memorized, kind of, yeah. Yeah, just because just be, and I'll say and I'll tell you why, Coulter. Yeah, I don't think Northern Colorado's good at all. They're not good. Um, Portland State is better than I think people realize. They're 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 and 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 you said Montana's got to go to Hillsboro. Yeah, that's right. Right before the the week before the Cacarez game. Yeah, I mean, obviously every game, you know, it's all anyone's trying to do is win the next game. A game's hard to win, and I know that's the mindset they're going to have. And you know, UC Davis is. They've got athletes. I just, you know, you, you, you kind of saw the recipe last week at, at Flagstaff, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago, Flagstaff, Montana-wise. Um, you know, and, and, and obviously every coach is talking to other coaches, and you're seeing the same film and watching the film. And it, it, that is not an easy schedule at all, you know. I mean, you say, we don't need to go back to them, but Montana State doesn't have, you know, there's a couple games in there where you know, on paper they should dominate, but, I mean, they still have – Idaho at Idaho, Montana at Montana, Sac State at Sac State, you know. So I, I just, yeah, I, I think it's going to be, they got to, yes, they got to win. Yes, I, I do look at it as a must win this week. Absolutely. Because then you can take some momentum into Idaho, and even if you're uphill sledding in that one, okay, but now you can afford to – you don't want to ever want to plan like this, but you can afford to go to Idaho and drop a game if you play well, if you win this weekend. So I don't know. I I think there's a lot to be had this weekend, and it's absolutely the game of the week in the Big Sky because there's only three games this week in the Big Sky, Montana at UC Davis, Northern Arizona at Weber State, and Idaho at Cal Poly. Next week, a full slate of action, uh, so we'll be back at it then. But uh, Ty Gregorak joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Enjoy the bye week, my friend. Have some fun uh, lounging and watching football this weekend. I appreciate that. Yeah, we. it's been – I don't know what it's like over there, but my gosh, it went, it went from summer to fall. Way too fast, culture. But it's supposed to be like 70 degrees this weekend, so maybe I can get outside a little bit. But, yes, there'll be plenty of ball being watched and can keep my eye on some of those games we were just talking about. And you have yourself a wonderful week and wedding. I don't know who gets married in the fall culture, but enjoy the wedding. Appreciate it, man. Talk to you soon. And also a big shout out to my guy, Kevin over at Westside private gym. Kevin has a doctorate in physical therapy and he is a excellent trainer and physical therapist. The easiest way to explain what my uh, new endeavor with him is we're trying to break down all the concrete and as you get older you, you got a whole bunch of inflexibilities immobilities your body is formed a certain way from all the ways you've been favoring your various bumps and bruises and injuries and you know you can you can make it through but are you actually living your best life are you actually as mobile and flexible and malleable as you can be and uh, you know i've had some knee injuries some shoulder injuries and so i you know i work out a lot but you know a lot of times maybe you're training in the wrong way or, or your muscles just aren't firing in a proper fashion so 
We're breaking down the concrete and building it back up. The first couple weeks of these workouts have been pretty much just physical therapy based, tearing down some fascia, you know, loosening up the muscles, really working on the mobility, working on being mindful with the breathing and the muscle engagement, trying to make the muscles proportionally fire. That's such a key thing, and, and Kevin does such a great job of explaining that. So really appreciate him. Can't wait for the journey to continue, and uh, we'll keep you updated on what's going on over there. But uh, fit during football back for another year, and uh, couldn't do it without the Hype House or especially Kevin over there at Westside Private Gym. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Big Time Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. And you heard from Ty Gregorak, now the cleanup hitter. Brooks Nuana is here uh, on the Big Sky Breakdown, talking all things Cats, Grizz, and Big Sky Conference. Super weird, Brooks, the way they did the Big Sky scheduling this year. I actually want to ask somebody if this was intentional. They gave everybody buys in the, 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 the over the next three weeks. There's only three Big Sky games this week. Then there's a full slate next week, and then there's only three Big Sky games the week after that. Interesting. So they're like knocking out the buys. All in mid-October. I wonder if that's so people can't complain about who gets a buy when. I do think that if as a league, if you have a choice, you should give teams like optimal buys, like giving someone sure. like a like a week three buy, like like Barney's had at Brown State before. It's just <laughs> yeah, like, all right. thanks for that. Cool. Well, I think it was actually a week two buy. Right. It was like they played one or two games and then had a buy. It was like that's pointless. So yeah, totally. So maybe this is to get it all in the meat of the schedule so it's not later or earlier. So interesting. So there's only three Big Sky games this week. So I don't think we're going to learn much about the league this week, but we do have a couple of big games coming up next week. But there is one big game this week, Montana at UC Davis. Uh, so let's start with the Grizz. You you and I were at the Grizz game on Saturday. Uh, I've already said so much about this between the Montana Football Hour and uh, other Big Sky Breakdown supplements. Uh, just your thoughts on on what you saw Saturday uh, in Missoula. I mean, the doom and gloom that is the reality of life here um, in Missoula with Montana Grizzly football is still prevalent. It's still around. I don't think that this game changed that for me, Coulter. But I will give credit where credit's due that I thought that Montana played a lot more with a lot more spirited effort. The best part of the game, I think, kind of across the board, was that Idaho State was talented. Like. Idaho State's been pretty bad. Like, they had some run, uh, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago with, like, Justin Arias, at quarterback. And, you know, they've had a couple running backs here and there. They've had some good receivers. They've struggled on defense. Idaho State hasn't been very good. I thought that they had talent. I thought that there was four or five guys on the Idaho State defense that banged. Like, I loved zero, four, six, 22. I thought that they had guys. Um, I thought they had talent. So the fact that it was a competitive game – isn't like a, a like a bright illumination on the Grizz and their prospects or like the future success, but I did think at least it was a solid competitive football game that the Grizz had to go win, um, which is solid for what you know kind of the current state of where they're at. I also thought, which I've told quite a few people this, Colter, that at least Montana, for their sake, leaned into something offensive. That's what I've been saying all week. Uh, like too. they just at least they played Clifton McDowell, they ran the football, they went with that identity. Um, like I say, you don't have to be right, but you have to choose something. Like being a fence sitter in life can be challenging, but being a fence sitter in football <laughs> to our lives at Skyline Sports. <laughs> being a fence sitter in football on the field is not a good, not a good choice. So, 
at least they leaned into something. Again, I thought the, to, to get a couple big plays on special teams, um, to win a competitive game, I think those are all positive things. But now they go down and t- have a really tough test in, in, down in California. This is an email from Ryan DeGraw, who's a uh, listener. He was actually inquiring about Nuanas now. Uh, but same difference. You know, we talk big sky across the board here on Nuanas now and the big sky breakdown. But he said, why does it matter to have an offensive identity? Doesn't not having an identity make it more difficult for teams to prepare for you? I didn't play college football, so I don't understand why this is so important. But you and your brother frequently talk about how the Grizz need an offensive identity and how they haven't had one. It seems to me Sac State was the epitome the last couple years of their identity being anything that beats your defense. Please elaborate. It's a great question, Great question. Great question. Sac State's identity is their creativity, or it was under Troy Taylor. Their ability to game plan week to week, that's an identity. Exactly. Montana does not have We're going to change our identity based on the matchup. We're playing matchup-based football. But they also had something they could lean into. Okay, we're running this two-quarterback system. This part's working better. More Asher O'Hara. The quarterback run game's working better. More Asher O'Hara. Oh, this part's working better. Okay, more Jake Dunaway to Pierre Williams to Marshall Martin. And that's how they could keep teams on their heels. What I guess we mean by identity is, Brent Vegan said this so well in his postgame on Saturday. He said, the way you become an excellent football team is to, first of all, ascend to the point where you know you're going to get everybody's best shot, be able to take everybody's best shot, and be able to realize that in the game of football, things aren't always going to go your way, and you're going to have weird mistakes, and somebody's going to get hurt, and sometime the ball's going to pop out, and sometime the ball's not going to bounce your way. Bad luck and all these different circumstances are going to happen to you. Then how do you respond? Not overreact, adjust, and roll. To be able to do that, you need to have something like you're talking about to lean into. Montana, they beat Idaho State by the exact same score the last two years. In Pocatello last year, it was they were up 28 to 6 and then they were hanging on for dear life and it seemed like a, a it seemed like a loss even though it was a win. On Saturday, even though Idaho State is supposed to be a big time underdog and the Grizz, you know, are supposed to win by three scores or whatever, it still was the win. The Grizz went out and earned the win. Idaho State tied the game early in the fourth, or I guess they should have tied the game earlier in the fourth quarter until they had the bad snap that <laughs> resulted in the holder falling on his face, and it looked like the completely botched fake is totally crazy. Anyways, but then the Grizz got the ball back, and they ran a fake punt, and then they pounded the ball down Idaho State's throat, and they scored the what was the game-winning touchdown, and then they forced a turnover on downs, and they forced a turnover. They won the game. They went out and took the win, and they did that big, being able to lean into running it down your throat. That's what we're talking about with identity. You have to have something that when all else fails, you can lean into it. The Cats have done that so well the last couple of years. To me, I think what the Grizz did in the fourth quarter on Saturday against Idaho State, that's what it needs to be. To continue to address this question, which I agree is a very good question, is you have to have some momentum to be able to play a sporadic, inconsistent style, like maybe like Sac State, like the question addresses. You have to have players that are playing with a high level of confidence you have to have a coaching staff that has the acumen to be able to teach it's not about whether you know how to implement or how to talk about have an overarching new philosophy it's about being able to teach it within a three-day span you only have two practices where you can really install anything for that week so you have to be a very high level teacher that doesn't make you a good or bad coach it's just a different style there I always like to reference this question to a boxer, a boxer who has a variety of tools in his bag, an MMA fighter who has a variety of tools in his bag. But at the end of it, if he doesn't have one thing he can lean on, he's nobody. Because when it goes bad, when something really, when it hits the fan and you get knocked down on the bat and you stand up and you don't have that left hand anymore, you are toast. Or you think, I'm going to go to my right hand, but I'm actually injured now. What do I go to? 
In football, you have to be able to have an identity of when it goes bad, when my guys are reeling a little bit, the offensive line isn't playing great, when I am down a running back and now we're starting a new quarterback, what do we go back to? What's our DNA? Because we have to be able to have our bread and butter. It is only in some levels of football, only at some programs, and it's definitely not at all of them, where you can have multiple offense throughout the year and you can implement things week to week. We're seeing the Miami Dolphins do it and it's an absolute revelation. Mikey McDaniels is like literally on Mount Rushmore for his ability to install new <laughs> concepts yeah. in a week. We're talking about the grain. We're talking about kids yes. going to school who go to a meeting for an hour and then they have to learn all that it's way harder than you think. It's way harder than you think, but I also think coaches think it's even harder than it being way harder than you think and sometimes then that makes them not want to do it. Definitely, but you also you can't lose games at this level with this kind of expectations based on like a gamble. You got to know, you got to be able to be like this is not this might not work. This is for sure going to work. You have to have a for sure play card. And the Grizz at this point of of what's happening throughout their season, we're not talking about wins and losses. We're talking about a level of confidence and a level of, of sustainability at this point in the season. They have to go out there knowing what will work for sure. And don't you think Clifton McDowell is the thing that instills that confidence and gives them way more of a blueprint of what they need to do? Did you see Sam Vidlack go in right before halftime? I mean, like, this I mean, poor kid, man. The way they're managing him is just not the way that it should be. But, but like, also, I think the ship sailed on He's it. coughed the football up, and this is not like this is just the facts. I mean, he's put the ball on in the other team's hand or on the ground, whether they turned it over or not, seven times Often. in three yes. games. Yeah. And it's like, that is just not an option. Yeah. You know? So, okay, so a couple questions here on the Grizz, and then we'll move on to the Cats. If, as you always remind the folks, the expectation is national championship, making a run a national championship. Top four. If you're the Grizz. Semis. Bare men. To do that, I don't think you can ride Clifton McDowell exclusively for the rest of the year. Oof. If you don't ride Clifton McDowell exclusively for the rest of the year or put a high favoritism on making a choice at quarterback. And if you're going to make a choice at quarterback, I think it needs to be the senior, not the sophomore. Then you flirt with the other side of the coin where it's not even close to competing for national championships. Now you're talking about not making the playoffs. How do you balance that within the scope of this season if you're the Grizz? I think that's the position they put themselves in before the season. With, I totally agree. With the quarterback room I totally have. agree. But if I told you, hey, you could go back and forth and try to get something out of Sammy Vidlak, and, and you know maybe if you, if you strike gold, that could get you to the quarters of the semis of the playoffs. But it's like a 15% chance of being able to do that. or And you have a, a, a 75% chance of missing the playoffs. Or I can give you an 80% chance of making the playoffs, but you're not going to do anything in the playoffs. Which one are you choosing if you're Montana? Well, I'm, I'm not going to make that call for them. I'm, I am uh, all or nothing. I'm not going right. to limp in the playoffs and then win a home playoff game against an undermanned team and say that it was a success like they've done over and over for quite a few years now running. I mean, that's not what I'm interested in. I think that you got to play go with the ceiling. Um, th- that's just how I see it. But how do they how do they redo this then? I mean, can't, I don't think you redo it. I think you play Clifton McDowell at the, the end of the first half there because when it was a better time to practice, right. when it was a better time to right. show it. Like, what are we doing here? Like, let the kid let it rip and see what happens. Like, you got a yeah. two minute drill, and you're going to go to the natty with him. You better play him. You right. better let it, like, let him try. You just put in Sam Vidlak at, in the national championship game, which they're not going to make at this exact moment. You can just put him in with two minutes left. Like, that's not the answer either. I mean. I think Colter, I don't. I don't know how you redo it. I, I think that uh, you you get back to the basics with some of these run fundamentals, and you really try to start getting downhill on people. I don't think that there's a lot of other options. Last question on the Grizz: Throw the ball to Junior Bergen. Agree? <laughs> well, they did last week. That's the irony. Got to win. Put, they put in. They put in the guy who 
quote unquote can't throw, and he actually Junior Bergen had the best game of his Grizz career as a receiver. That's the second most catches he's ever had. Is it's his first one hundred yard game as a Grizz. That's their first one hundred yard regular season game since twenty nineteen. They got three dudes that I would be willing to throw fifty fifty balls to all day. They don't throw fifty fifty balls. Why would you? <laughs> they also this is a complete tangent, but they also got to figure out a way to get their run game out on the edge. Like the running in the middle of the, of the guards is just it's just exhausting. They wonder why they're averaging three point three yards per carry. It's because everybody averages three point three yards per carry until you get gash plays. The Cats don't average 11 yards a carry. The Cats average three and a half yards a carry and then get 50-yard runs five or ten times a game. And then they get 88-yard runs like Sean Chambers. Anyways, I digress. Got to get the guys out on the edge, especially Xavier Harris. I mean, I can't believe that guy. You got to hold an edge to get the edge. That's right. That's right. Regardless, uh, my question, though, for you is this. Honestly, Montana's season was hanging in the balance when they have it on. They have a third and two. Then they get a holding call. And then they get a 16-yard inside screen pass to Eli Gilman that gets negated because of a, a completely egregious crackback block. So two really bad and foolish penalties in a row. This is a bad block. Sets up a, a third and 20. Gilman gets 18 of it back, but then you have a fourth and two. The season is literally hanging in the balance right there because you... You're about to lose that game. You are about to lose that game. Jordan Cook's about to get the ball back at midfield and you call the fake punt. If you don't get the fake punt right there, Idaho State's going to go down and score and you're going to lose on homecoming at home to the worst team, the team that was projected to be the worst team in the league coming into the year. I don't think Idaho State's the worst team, but I do think that that it would have been a, a, a catastrophe of a loss. I mean, they haven't won ever at Washington Grizzly Stadium. back-to-back freshman quarterback. I mean, they, they haven't lost... Idaho State's never won at Washington Grizz, ever. Last time they won in Missoula was 1983, so it's been 40 years. Regardless, they hit the fake punt. Could that be a moment that is a, a, a turning point in the season for Montana? Or I guess how much Bobby Houck said sometimes he needs some guts. How much did Montana have to have guts in that exact moment? I mean, guts is one thing to call it. I mean, desperation. I I'm not gonna use I'm not gonna use a bunch of adjectives that are, you know, just piling on for no reason. Colter, they they three games in a row. They won a game against Ferris State with a special teams, with a fake punt, more or less. Right? I mean, or, or there was another special teams play in the Ferris State game, too. Then they lose in Northern Arizona because of a blocked punt. And then they win in Idaho State because of a fake punt. So, like, winning and losing games on special teams is kind of a Bobby Houck thing, but also not the way that most elite teams are doing it. It's just not really like a, you shouldn't need that. Um, was it a spark? Did, did it take guts? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good, I, the hard part is that. They had to go to that formation and that play to get a yard because they can't do it on offense. If you've ever watched the Montana Grizzlies, I was sitting on the field photographing. Eli Gilman gets that 18-yard run, and the punt team comes out. It's like, oh, it's a fake. It's 100% a fake. I mean, like, <laughs> totally. They're totally going for this. They're not yeah. going to punt this ball right here and give right. Idaho State a chance. Right. So could Idaho State stop it? No, that's a tough play to stop. They're getting a yard there, and that's all they needed. Yeah. So. I'm not. I'm not going to, you know, delve into whether or not that's like a turning point in the season. But I think at the end of the year, uh, they lose this game. I think a lot, a lot of bad stuff can happen. Grizz now play at UC Davis. Davis three and a half point favorites at home. Forty seven and a half, the over under. So finally, they fixed the over unders. They've been getting the Grizz games have been in the high fifties and low sixties for over unders. That's just. Ridiculous, because they're gonna just gonna play ball control. They're also gonna be able to hold teams down a little bit, and they're just not gonna score that much. So they've been pretty interesting. But anyways, betting line aside, I thought it was interesting that Davis is favored in this game. Really? Yeah, just because Lars Larson, UC Davis's best player, he's their running back, who's also their best pass catcher. He's out. Uh, so I mean, 
But Montana got, I mean, Montana played Butler, non-scholarship school tight. Sure. Almost lost to yeah. Ferris State. Yep. A D2 school. Lost to Northern Arizona and almost lost to Idaho State. So how could they be favorites on the road? Yeah, I mean, UC Davis drilled Texas A&M Commerce. I have, only, I have only seen like a moment of Davis. I haven't really analyzed it deep enough to speak to like kind of the talent matchups, if you will. But I, I think looking at the schedule, obviously, and looking at returners is, is helpful. Davis beat uh, you know a transitioning Texas A&M Commerce team that's a D2. Then they got smoked by Oregon State. They barely beat Southern Utah 23-21. And then they lost to Eastern Washington. And then they beat, played Cal Poly last week. And Cal Poly can't tackle anybody. And they won 31-13. Sounds Cal about right. Cal Poly yeah. has been giving up... 50 burgers. I mean, Portland State scored 52 on Cal Poly in the first half the week before. So, I mean, Davis has Miles Hastings, who was the first team all-conference quarterback last year. They have a good offensive line. I think they have a good defensive front. They got one of the best defensive players in the league in Rex Connors. This is all just about the the narrative around UC Davis. UC Davis has been, with the exception of the year that they had, Jake Mayer and Keelan Doss and, and um, Alonzo Gilliam and a bunch of these, you know, like headlining best in their Division One era players, other than that, they've just been the same. They're just a six and five, seven and four type of outfit that always, you know, wins some and loses some. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's just very interesting to me. I'm on the same page as you. I think the I think the Grizz have a lot of holes, and I think that for the first time, pretty much in our lifetimes, their holes are, you know, not just the weight of expectations on their shoulders or you know being able to live up to chasing national championships or being able to overcome adversity or you know stubborn coaching or whatever they have talent holes on their roster they have, they have talent deficiencies on their roster especially on the lines and that's that's a hard thing to overcome that said i, I don't think montana really has much i, I think montana's got a, a a giant challenge in front of them in all of their games that are against ranked opponents coming up this is the one game where if the grizz went and got it and stole it it wouldn't surprise me. I could see that. I was kind of say I think that while Dan Hawkins is at UC Davis, I think that him and and, and Bobby Houck are going to play a lot of similar similar games, similar styles. Similar. That's right. They're going to be prepared. They're going to do the things. They're going to. I think it'll be close games, kind of until those guys are formation each other. Yeah, I mean they're going to million different tight end, two tight end, flips, tight ends. They yada, love yada, their yada. tight ends. Single back. Yeah, uh, special teams. I mean, Larson players. being out just hurts UC Davis so much because he's like the. He's their best player, and he's also the guy that does the most for any team in the league because he's their best runner and their best pass catcher. Hastings is the was the first team only quarterback, not because he was so spectacular; it's because he's the most consistent. But what does he do? Do 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 check down. You know, one two three, boom into the flat into the. But they don't have their big tight end that went to the NFL from last year, and they don't have Larison. So I don't know. I just think that those are. I guess the thing that has eluded UC Davis is that when they get into super physical games with the teams like Weber State and Montana State. Can Montana be one of those super physical teams? They have been physical, but not like dominant or imposing in that way. You said that, uh, who is UC Davis's best player? His last name? Lars Larison. Lars Larison is UC Davis's best player. Who is the Montana Grizzlies best player? Ooh, Travis Benham? The punter? He's <laughs> a good player. He is a good player. I think we'd easily say Junior Bergen, right? So, uh, I think Alex Gubner is Montana's best player. I was going to say the non-defense, it's Gubner, right? Alex Gubner is Montana's highest level of talent. He's their most elite, talented player. Mm-hmm. Alex Gubner is the only player on the Montana Grizzlies that would start for er, that would start for every team in the league. How about this idea? I was watching Gubner this week. He's a beast. We call him King Pig. He's great. He's a beast. Bobby Houck says they they don't want him playing every snap. They 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 want to play him, you know, forty plays a game. Yeah. 
what what is what do you think of the idea of just popping him out? Yeah. Why not? Just give him a couple snaps at not nose guard. Yeah, right. Like, why does he have to get triple teamed every play? Like, let someone else just get rolled up once, and then, like, right. let him just... I just don't see why you wouldn't give it just a shot, you know? I agree. They put some they put some safeties down in the box. They play different nickels. Jackson Lee played really well. Shout out there, Missoula kid, right? Or um, Missoula by way of Peabrook, but, but yeah, yeah, Western Montana kid. Yeah, I mean, pretty awesome to see him coming up, and he played really well. Uh, he did play well. But, like, just... Why not try to do that on the defensive line? I know they have no depth there. Um, I'm kind of grasping for straws here, but like, I just don't know why you're not going to take these the best players you have when you're lacking. They're not lacking talent, like you just said. I of course they are, but like they're lacking depth. They right, and they're they're lacking. They're I should restate that they're lacking talent for what their scheme is. They run a scheme. Definitely. The, the whole point of the scheme is to make the other team have third and 13. Yeah. Second and 12 because you screw, you messed them up. You tackled them behind the line of scrimmage. You're partying on the pile. You're hitting the quarterback. I mean, when was the last time they hit the quarterback? They have zero sacks in Big Sky play. None. Zero. When was the last time they even hit the quarterback? Like, the whole reason you run this defense is to double A-gap blitz. Guys coming off the edge. They the just quarterback's sh- getting ragdolled. The whole <laughs> thing, like, that's the whole point is the quarterback is getting beat to shit. And then he has to make they, they he has can't to step do that. into the pocket yeah, can't and make it. a throw through contact. And if they can do that, like Giovanni McCoy did last year in Missoula for Idaho, then you could beat them. That's not what's happening at all anymore, though. They're not even touching the quarterback. Jordan Cook was just sitting back there, boom, picking them apart. Picking them apart. Freshman never played. I mean, you gotta. So then you should adjust the scheme. You want to get pass rush? You put Kale Edwards on the wide nine. Right. You blitz off the edge on the same side. It's, but they are. But they're blitzing like. They they're at times they're bringing like Tyrrell off the edge or they'll bring Braxton Hill off the edge and like I really like both those guys they are not Kendrick Van Akron right like it's just like <laughs> exactly they're, they're not they're Patrick just, O'Connell they're, they're just not missing well, no. they're not Chase Lewis they're missing like that that missile for sure it's not Janicaro who will be on the edge too and he just gets in like little sumo hand fights and stuff he can't get it he can't get the edge like he's because he's five eleven right but he's just not that kind of explosive player like he's explosive in different ways and like right. I just don't know and then sometimes they'll have Braxton. I should put him at the nose <laughs> seriously I mean I mean for real but just even for a snap or two I just don't yeah. know why you wouldn't why you would let another team game plan for Gubner in that spot why not you should just move him out and be like everyone who's on the line is like what the fuck. And now I got this guy? Like, we didn't plan for this. What do I do? What's what's the plan here? I got no well, plan. Well, that's the thing, too. It would also help him because that's his, if he's going to go to the NFL, it's, it's, he's going to have to play like a 3-4 DN. Yeah, he doesn't play nose tackle yet. Yeah, he can't play nose in the NFL. He's just not big enough. But they play a three-man front, so why not just move him to five-tech and just, like, give it a run? I, yeah, it's all futile because they're not going to do anything but what they do, so they got to just figure out a way to do it better. I don't and I know guess how they do what that. they do is what everyone else does because that's just how it is. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Town Pump. Run down the road. Pump it up. Oh, yeah. 
Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. Things I break down, presented in part by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Uh, cats are on a buy, so don't have to spend much time on them. Uh, just your evaluation of where they're at right now in their bye week. I think that they have a lot to clean up on defense. Um, I, I just don't think they're playing at like that high a level on defense. It's, it's again, very given the statistics, 15 points a game. Yeah. I, it's just the eye test. Yeah. You know, I've had people text me that how same much, thing. How much, uh, so I know what you're getting at here. Here's my evaluation of the defense. I think they're playing way better up front. They're getting a better pass rush than they have in a couple years. Their front is insane. The front is getting, is playing great. The and linebacker. Ruby Gruby is playing great. They're not tackling very well in the middle part of their defense. They're improved tackling in the safety positions. Their linebackers are, they've been okay, but they need to be better tackling. And I think that they've been treading water on the outside because they've had so many of their guys hurt. Simeon Woodard's been out. Miles Jackson's been playing with the club on his hand. Uh, John Johnson's been good. Uh, Andrew Powdrell's been out sometimes too. And, and Devin Davis has just been straight out. So they've, they've had some attrition at corner as well. I really want to like tread lightly here because I even when I start to talk about individual players, I get frustrated at myself because it's not how it is, and I definitely don't want to be calling out like really good players and the young athletes that are you know more or less kids. Like that's not what I'm trying to do here. Sure, I just I said it before the season. I said it last year. I just really don't think that for the scheme they have, much like the Grizz, they have a scheme and they don't have the right personnel for it necessarily. Sure, I just have not liked the linebacker group. Like, I think Askelson, I think Danny Yu, I think that McCabe O'Reilly, I think that they're all good players. I just don't think they're playing at like a crazy high level. When you have only two linebackers on the field, yeah. you have to tackle at such a high level. Right. Again, they're giving up 15 points. They're not playing like really high level competition here. And they're also getting... Portland State's pretty good, but I, I know what you're saying. I mean, come on, dude. We're talking about... You, I, get, I know what you're saying. They should have beat South Dakota State. We're talking about, what, you know, they're, the Cats should be the number one team in the country. That's right. And if they're the number one team in the country, then I have all the right in the world to be critical of what I think are potential holes we're talking about scheme you take any of those three linebackers you put them at any any school in the conference i think that they start literally damn near every single school yeah they're good maybe not all three of them but they're like you put one here one there they're, they're starting good. at all those schools they're good i think that playing in a four-two-five with those two linebackers when that's you right. had callahan o'reilly and troy anderson that's right that like these guys aren't them that's not fair it's but not i fair. also think that like when you get down the road, as the season starts yeah. to wear, you get a little bit banged up. It's just, yep. you're going to put a lot of pressure when, on that secondary. When you understand the nuances of the scheme, you just need guys. Because I, I do think that uh, all three of Montana State's inside guys are are fearless. I think they're tough. I think they love contact. Hell yeah. They all bang, dude. Uh, and, Absolutely And they bang. are above average, bordering on almost elite tacklers. They're elite they're, tacklers, they're, but they play in a two-man system. Yeah, right. And they and they, what 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 you're getting at and, and what the system play all needs, three of what, them. What the system needs though is range. They got to be range. Got to be more range. Otherwise, you got to have more guys there. They're they're all just they're all six foot two twenty guys. They're inside. They're and inside you need, you backers. Six two six three two thirty guys like Callahan O'Reilly. You need. They are all. It's like, impossible to compare to Troy Anderson because no, he's Troy Anderson. Troy they're Anderson. all four three run stop bangers. Right, they aren't what they are. 
like in this system. And that's not there. I'm, and again, also, when we talk about how high of the expectation I have for the two Montana schools, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Montana State's awesome. There's nothing wrong. I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm sure. not grasping for straws by any means. But when I watch them play linebacker, yeah. they're a, I've seen a little bit of bend, don't break. The front yeah. is just insane. So, like, the front is just, I said this to you, I think that their front at this exact moment is as good as it's ever been, and I don't think that that is talent-wise. I think they've had more talent at times. I think, That's like, right. Bryce Sterk, Andre Williams, <laughs> Ch- uh, Chase Benson. Jason Scrampos. Uh, I mean, I think that they've had some Tucker people. Yates. Tucker Yates. At the same time where it's like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, this front is so talented, and they're producing. This front right now understands the scheme and understands their job so well. Like, the Blake okay. Schmitz, Blake Heels of the world, they're getting, they're playing so far above their head. They're good players. Good. But they're playing at, like, an A-plus level. No, for like, right. I mean, Ben Seymour, right? Like, like those guys are good players. Good but they're players. playing, like, elite players. No, that's right. And they're, and they're producing at an elite level, and then that's what really yeah, helps carry the day. Brody Greeby, man, talk about, like, have a day. Oh, dude, just, he was destroying oh, just that poor Owning tackle, that tackle. Just killing that guy. Killing him. One of his best games of the Bobcat. Regardless, as you say, for the Cats to get over the top, that that's the thing. I mean, they're running the same general scheme as what North Dakota State and South Dakota State run. And what their inside linebackers have been have been guys like Jabril Cox and Christian Roseboom. And guys that are like the best linebackers in the country. Still in the NFL, yeah. And I think those I, – and I, I do think the, the Montana State guys will come along. And, uh, yeah, I think renewed health in the secondary – uh, real quick, uh, tackling. I got to speak to the safeties because they've played so well. And Rylan Ortman is talk about like meet the day and then like meet the day, seize the moment, play above your potential. A guy who was like destined to be a starter and destined to be like a really good player is becoming like, I mean, if he just keeps going off and he keeps getting turnovers, yeah. and he keeps inspiring the defense and playing the way he is. I mean, we're talking about like a first league, first team all league player. I mean, just a guy that's like absolutely making a difference after coming off a of suspension, after coming off like injuries. You know, who knows what his future looks like? Pretty impressive. It's really impressive, especially given the guys that he's coming in the like on the heels of like Ty Okada and Braden Conkle and stuff. I mean, it's been a zero percent uh, of an issue. I mean, there's been no, oh man, well missing Ty Okada, missing Braden Conkle. Nope, he's been unbelievable. He's been really, really good. One of their best players for sure. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a Scotty, JMV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. If you can't make it in, JMV also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Last question for you. How about the way that they're uh, – the, 
It's like it's almost like they're listening to the podcast. Since Sean Chambers been the quarterback the last two throw weeks, throw it to the tight end. They just been throwing it to the tight ends all day long. And when they throw it to the tight ends, and then you get those guys in motion, and those guys can like run little option routes, and then you run an RPO stuff and outside zone stuff behind them. You're just purely unstoppable. If you use Snell like they did on Saturday, where they're moving him back and forth, and sometimes he's running up, and then all of a sudden the back breaks through, and he's already downfield, and he can block. Forget about it, man. It's touchdown alley all day. That's why every dude on their team has a chance to get a 50-yard run. I can't believe how impressed I am how they're using it. Like, they went a couple times where they were running, like, 11 personnel, and they looked dumb. It looked stupid. Because you're like, where's the other tight end? Get the get these slot receivers off the field. Totally. Give me the other guys. Totally. It's a, Snell is so incredibly versatile. Like, by the end of this year, he's probably going to have, like, 23 catches for 314 yards and, like, five touchdowns or whatever. Do not underestimate how valuable this guy is. He is one of the most valuable players in the league. It's not even, it's not even close. He's the kind of guy where they, like, switch his position just to make him first-team all-league. Like, <laughs> like right. he'll just be the because, first team all league because, fullback even though he people don't like understand H. like people just don't understand like he doesn't his position is the only he's the only guy in the league playing that position so yeah. i'm glad they put him at fullback and it so is, that they can vote him as that because he is an h back but like you he know, is an h and he's not like a traditional y all he is an hfy yeah he really is because he can catch the screen pass he can line up in line he's the true h back i mean he can return punts we've said it for a long time Colter. we've said it for like several years now and some people don't understand this because 23 catches for 300 yards and a couple touchdowns like you said I mean he's one of the more league guys we've seen in a long time yes um, like he is like a surefire like NFL guy I'm not saying he's getting drafted or anything but like he's gonna get a shot he will absolutely be in training camp and absolutely have a good well, chance well first of all to, because he's gonna blow the doors off his pro day yeah you think he's just like he's this, got a 40 inch you bird. think he's this dude who's just this 6'2 235 pound kid from Alaska yeah the dude's like the best basketball player on the team yeah he's you look at him run and the way he elite, moves and elite, stuff like elite. I mean, his his explosiveness and his ability to jump and stuff is just it's just crazy. I mean, he's one of the best athletes in the conference. And think about like being him and then looking over and your buddy is <laughs> Trayton Pickering is significantly more jacked than you. No, man. I mean, he's just put he's just like a just like a great god, man. He's just huge. And the fact that he's actually getting touches now and producing after all, I mean, he's put in a lot of time, man. Like that's yep. been a deep room, and that is a room that has to bang. Like you got to. You got to have your head yep. hat on a hat. You got to have your hair in the dirt. There's a lot there that that isn't always fun uh, to see him getting some production. Uh, sunburst Montana. Did I sound like Ty Gregory? Sunburst Montana, Ben, <laughs> the Alaskan assassin. <laughs> oh, we love Ty. Those are good calls, man. Real good calls. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Down Scott, SportsFT.com. Cats off this week. They're at Cal Poly. Excuse me. They host Cal Poly uh, the week after, and then uh, one of their first true Big Sky tests. They're at Sac State on October 21st. Well, full coverage for you of the weekend of Big Sky Conference games. It's got on sportsmt.com. Brooks, thanks for being here. Yeah, Colt, the last thing real quick is that I think that they should have you should implement a rule that where you kick off from the 15-yard line, and if you go through the uprights like uh, Brendan Hall can do, that it's, <laughs> that it's worth a single point. It's worth a point. I think you should point. just try it. 6'9 <laughs> kicker, baby. It's got on sportsmt.com. Every day, every season. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. 
save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Town.